place where Jesus' perspective is found is not only in God's Word, but in prayer. Don't miss the fact that we can know God's Word, but miss God's heart. You know that that's real, right? Where we know what the Bible says, but we've missed God's heart. The Pharisees are a classic example of that. They knew everything about the Word of God, but they missed God's heart. Prayer is where God teaches us, this is how I see things. This is the real state of affairs. This is the real way you should view the world. Do you think that everything God has to say is contained in the Bible? Is it possible that the infinite God who created the universe, which is itself beyond man's understanding, squeezed himself into the 66 books that we call the Bible? If you believe the God of the Bible, you should say, no way. So today, Pastor Daniel will be teaching about how to know God even more completely, and that is through the discipline of prayer. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 as he begins a new message called Breakthrough Prayer. So I've been thinking a lot about this idea of people's perspectives. And, And I was reminded of it because if you're here in the Northwest, in the Vancouver metro area, we've had some kind of unique weather recently, haven't we? It's funny when you talk to people about it. And, you know, is is there anything more superficial to talk about than the weather? But what's amazing is, is like we've had these winter storm warnings. And if you talk to some people, it's like a snowpocalypse. And other people are like, there was no snow. But what's interesting is that if you think about the word perspective, the actual word, it's the prefix per, which means through, and specs, which is we get our word uh, to see through. Like your idea of your glasses being spectacles that you see through. That's what the word means. So it's a lens through which you see life. And, and, and if you think about your perspective, that's your personal point of view. And that's based on your values, your life experiences, your current state of mind your assumptions. So it's like, you know, with the weather that we've had recently, you know, I live up in the north part of the county. And so on the first day, we got like four inches of snow. And I know some of you got zero inches of snow. And some of you live up at the elevations and you got like 10 inches of snow. A couple of days into it, I was, you know, there was a great youth conference that we wanted to get our son to. And what's funny is, is we went out and I was carpooling with a friend of mine and they're like, well, will you drive? I, you know, it looks pretty iced in. And I drove and there was no ice on the road until I got to their neighborhood. And because it was where they were and there was a lot of tree cover, their roads were just like a sheet of ice. And they're like, how the roads? I'm like, well, the two roads in your development are horrible. Everything else is fine. (laughs) But again, it's like, because they were iced in, there was no reason to leave. And you just assume everything is iced in. What's funny is when I always think about, like, I live here in the Northwest now, but I was born and raised in Jersey. Can I get a holla for the Jersey folks? Yeah. We always say New Jersey is a great place to be from. No, I'm just kidding. They don't say that there, but that's what we say. But I remember I got my driver's license, and my first car was a rad car. I had a 1972 orange Carmen Ghia. So if you don't know what a Carmen Ghia is, think of a bug, but a little bit more sleek and sporty, and it was killer. Anybody ever driven a Volkswagen bug or Carmen Ghia in the snow? Yeah. You know what you call that? An accident. Yeah. So that was my car. I get my license. And literally, 
Like three days after I get my license, we get a good old-fashioned, because I was born in the winter, a good old-fashioned New Jersey nor'easter snowstorm where we had 14 inches of snow and then a layer of ice on top. Now, what's amazing is, is for those of you here in the Pacific Northwest, if you've got that kind of a perspective, if there's flurries in the forecast, the place whites out. You shut everything down. You raid Walmart, Fred Meyer's, Safeway. You take all the food home, all the toilet paper home. You get all your gas cans filled up, and you hunker down for snowpocalypse, whatever year it is. Just for flurries, you know, on the thing. That's a perspective. Now, it was funny. I remember when I first got here, and they're like, well, there's snow in the forecast. We should probably not have church. I'm like, they're talking about flurries. And they're like, no, Daniel, no one will come. And I'm like, stop it. There's no way. Because I remember I got my license. I was driving in that my car. I was sliding all over the place. I hit a couple snow banks. It was fun. Like, but that's how you drive when you're from New Jersey. It's just what it is. It snows. But sure enough, the first time we had flurries, nobody showed up. It was unbelievable. And I remember I was like, all like, what's wrong with everybody? You know, now I'm just like, when it's going to flurry, I'm going to just shut everything down. No one's going to come. No one wants to risk it. I know some of you, when it snows, you got your four-wheel drive. You've been waiting for this moment. Like, you got your car jacked up on big tires for this reason. For the once every two years, we get some snow. And you're like, yes, finally, let's go to church. You know? (laughs) Now, again, all of these are perspectives. It's based on how you see the world, your values, what you're concerned about, all these things. Now, we're doing this series on prayer. And the reason why prayer is so important And why, unfortunately, I believe we don't pray enough is because prayer is where we get God's perspective on things. Prayer is where we learn and appropriate God's perspective on things. I say it that we don't pray enough is because, could we just be honest? We all really like our perspectives. Come on, let's just be honest. We're always honest here at Crossroads. You like your point of view, don't you? You do. And everybody likes their point of view. And that's why we like to fight about our point of views. Well, no, I am right. Red Robin is the best burgers in Washington. Are you kidding me? It's Killer Burger. No, it's not Killer Burger. It's Burgerville. No, it's not. It's In-N-Out Burger. (gasps) Fight is on. Get the boxing gloves on. Right? Like, everybody loves their perspective. But I'm here to tell you, if you are here today and you say, hey, I believe in Jesus. And I realize not everybody here is a follower of Jesus, but we want you to be because there's no better way to live. The only way to live is to follow Jesus. But we need Jesus's perspective on things. And the place where Jesus's perspective is found is not only in God's word, but in prayer. Don't miss the fact that we can know God's word, but miss God's heart. You know that that's real, right? Where we know what the Bible says, but we've missed God's heart. The Pharisees are a classic example of that. They knew everything about the word of God, but they missed God's heart. Prayer is where God teaches us, this is how I see things. This is the real state of affairs. This is the real way you should view the world. I want to empower you to move in the world, in my name, empowered by my spirit. But we learn that in prayer. And oftentimes... Because the kingdom of self is so highly fortified, prayer is the last place many of us want to go. Because the last thing we want is when the true and living God being like, your perspective is all jacked up. Anybody ever hear that in prayer? That's how God speaks to me. He's like straight. He's like, Daniel, your perspective is jacked up. I'm like, that's not my heart. 
But we learn that in prayer. And that is why it's so important to us in this Into the Deep series that we want your life, your house to be a house of prayer. We want your family to be a family, a house of prayer. We want our church family to be a house of prayer. Because the last thing the world needs is more people hunkered down on their perspectives. And what the world really needs is the people of God having the heart of God, seeing things as God sees it and saying, I want to build into that in my life. So today, as we continue in this series, we're going to be looking at a beautiful prayer, a breakthrough prayer, really, from Daniel chapter 9. So open up your Bibles, Daniel chapter 9. We're going to take verses 1 to 23. And just so you know, I'm not the Daniel I'm talking about. I don't have my own book in the Bible. But open your Bibles. The prophet Daniel. If you're flipping around, if you think about, there's the Old Testament. That's the first two-thirds of your Bible. And then there's the New Testament. So it's in the Old Testament. And it's in that last section of the Old Testament that's called the prophetic books. Now, really, if you know your Bible, it's broken up into the major prophets and the minor prophets. And the major prophets are just major majorly (laughs) long-winded. I see how I did that. There's no such thing as a minor prophet. They spoke less. And Daniel is the last of the major prophets. If you find the book of Psalms, turn right. If you find Isaiah, turn right. If you find like Zephaniah and Obadiah and Haggai, you turn left. That's one of the fun things. My son's name is Obadiah. And I always meet people like, where's that name from? It's from the Bible. Really? It's in the Bible? Yeah, it's the shortest book in the Bible. And I'm like, like, I should read it. I'm like, yes, you should. That's what I always say. But the book of Daniel, and of course, because they haven't changed our numbering system yet, chapter 9 is between chapters 8 and 10. (laughs) We're going to find out all our numbers were wrong. Now, I've called this message a breakthrough prayer, but here's what I want to say about the idea of breakthrough prayer. Because the last thing I want is for anyone here to think, okay, so Fusco is going to give us the tips on how to break through in prayer. Here's what I want to tell you. Because of Jesus, you already have a breakthrough. Because Jesus conquered sin and death. Can I get an amen to that? This is good news. Jesus has already broken through everything. The question for us is, are we understanding what God is up to, how he's working, and what's happening? You already are victorious in Jesus, my friends. It's just a matter of, do we understand what God is up to, how he's working, and what he's asking of us? And so, I don't want you to think I'm going to give you like, hey, here's four tips on how to break through whatever your struggle is. Really, Jesus has already done that. That's why the Bible says we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So jumping on in, Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, it says this. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, verse 2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the numbers of the years, specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made my confession and said. Now, if I stop right there, what we learn here is we need to let God's word lead us into the deep of prayer. We need to let God's word lead us into the depths of prayer. Now, really what you find here is it's not only God's word, but it's also the circumstances. In verse one, we learn that in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign. How many of you remember almost nothing from high school history? 
Yeah, okay. Now, how many of you are high school history teachers? We love what you're doing. So it was a long time ago for some of us. Now, I don't remember much about world history, it was called. That was what I took. But I do remember that at that point, I was playing music and I was in bands. And so when you're in a band, you're always looking for good names for bands. And I remember in world history, there was a ruler named Xerxes, X-E-R-X-E-S. And I thought in my 15-year-old brain, that would be a great band name. Now, only to realize later that Xerxes was actually one of the Medo-Persian rulers. I didn't realize it until later reading the Bible. But at the time, I'm like, who's Xerxes? That would be a cool, now playing Club A in Sayreville, New Jersey, Xerxes. <laughs> Can you imagine it? This is the days of metal. You know it was good. So good. Anyway. For Daniel, the Babylonians had just been conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. And really, this would place it around 539 BC. So, you know, 540-ish years before Jesus. And Daniel is there, and it's the first year of his reign. And Daniel is aware of the fact that God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah in verse 2 and said that the children of Israel would be under Babylonian exile for 70 years. Now, you get that specifically from Jeremiah chapter 25 and Jeremiah chapter 29. Those two chapters. And if you want, if you're really like, I want to know the exact reference is Jeremiah 25 verses 8 to 12. And then Jeremiah 29 verses 10 and 11. God told the prophet Jeremiah that the Babylonians are coming. And they're going to be exiled from Jerusalem for 70 years. And Daniel now, he's lived almost his entire life in Babylon. Daniel was part of the first wave of exiles, and he had been in Babylon for about 66 years at this point. Now you think about this, Daniel was a young Jewish man, wise. In his early life, he was being nurtured to be a ruler in Israel. And sure enough, as a teenager, the Babylonians come on in, everything gets destroyed, they conquer everything, and Daniel, we know his friends come in this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were taken from Jerusalem, and they were living in Babylon, and Daniel had been advising the Babylonian rulers, and now the Medo-Persian rulers, for his entire life. His whole life's been lived in Babylon, but... Even though he's not in Jerusalem, he's still reading God's word. And he remembers, hey, Jeremiah said that we are going to be in Babylon for 70 years. And so what does he do? It says, verse 3, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord. See, Daniel let the circumstances of his life and the word of God drive him into prayer. He's seeing what's going on in the world, and he's seeing what's going on in God's word, and he's allowing that now to lead him to seek after God in prayer. And I just simply want to encourage you to do the exact same thing. My friends, we are surrounded by the circumstances of the world unlike anything that has ever happened in history. Something happens on the other side of the globe and you and I find out about it with video almost instantaneously. 
So we are more cognizant and aware of what's going on in the world now than anyone else. I mean, you think about something like the Electoral College. I don't want to get in politics. You talk about politics, everyone loses their brains. But the idea of the Electoral College, the reason they had that was before we had computers and they wanted to elect an elected official like a president, you need to get all the votes from all the people. They didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. They couldn't send an email. Smoke signals wouldn't work. Carrier pigeons wouldn't get it there. So they needed a way to get the information there quickly or else it would take you 50 years to find out who the next president was. It's funny how now with all of our technology, it's still taking us a long time, but that's a different discussion for another day. But the whole idea is, is we are so aware of what's going on in the world. But unfortunately, the way our culture works and the way we work is rather than letting the circumstances of the world drive us to prayer, it drives us to frustration which is exactly what the enemy wants because when the people of God are frustrated, they're not salt, they're not light, they're not saying, God, what are you doing and how can I be involved? So we need to stop letting the news frustrate us and start letting it drive us to prayer. And we need God's word to do the same thing. When you read the word, you should take what you're reading and turn it to prayer. Say, Lord, your word just said that I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Lord, will you help me to believe that? Lord, your word says that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Lord, help me to believe that. Your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to walk in that. Your word says that I can be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to the Lord and let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, you know I'm anxious, but your word says I should be anxious for nothing. Will you help me now? Lord, will you lead me? Will you teach me? And that's just me just picking, I think I just picked four verses out of God's word, 66 books. Let God's word, let it lead you into prayer. Now, I don't want to miss this before I move on. My friends, when you read things in the word that you don't understand, that's the best time to pray. Because God is infinite and we are finite. So the fact that in God's word there are things you don't understand should not be surprising to you. That's normal because none of us understand everything about everything. Can I get an amen? amen? The number of things I do not understand are extraordinary. And each day as I get older, I realize more and more of all the stuff that I don't understand. And the longer I'm married, the more I realize I never understood anything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My bride is so sweet, but it's so funny, man. It's like, I had no clue. I did not know. And so the fact that you don't understand what's in God's word, that should be normal. Because God is God, and God is leading us, and we're growing. And so when you don't understand, say, God, I don't understand what this means. Lord, will you teach me? Will you unpack this for me? And what we find with Daniel here is as he is being led into the deep, and I love this, he says in verse 3, he set his face toward the Lord God. Now, I love that. Think about the descriptive nature of God's word. Prayer is you set your face towards God. How many of you have raised kids and you're talking to your kids and your kids are not looking at you. <laughs> and what do you always say to your kids? Look at me. Or if you teach kindergarten, it's one, two, three, eyes on me. 
That's right. I do that with my teenagers too. Like, one, two, three, eyes on me. Why? Because when you set your face towards them, you're connected and now we talk. How many of you in your relationships, if you're talking to someone and they're not looking at you, it makes you a little nervous, right? Because maybe they're not paying attention. That's why it's so important to put your phones down because you're connected. So you set your face and then it says, and I made requests by prayer and supplication. Now, prayer is a general word for the conversation we get to have with God. Supplication speaks of specific requests. That's what it really speaks of. And then you have with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, this is a whole other thing. Because not only is he praying, he's choosing not to eat so that he can seek God. That's what fasting is. And then it says, and sackcloth and ashes really is like, Daniel's going for it here. Putting on sackcloth was putting on the least comfortable clothes you have. It was literally a spiritual discipline where they put on sackcloth. It was almost like camel's hair, which is not super furry and nice. It's pretty prickly. And it would be against your skin, so you were intentionally uncomfortable. That's what sackcloth was. And ashes was literally ashes. Like, I made my face dirty. Fasting, sackcloth, and ashes were all of a sign of outward observances of humility. So really, fasting, sackcloth, and ashes were designed to be outward expressions of an inward humility. That's saying, one, God, I'm intentionally making myself uncomfortable because I'm not eating. Even though I need food to survive, I need you more. I'm not comfortable, so I'm not living in luxury right now because I really want to know you, Lord. And I'm literally making myself intentionally dirty because I am like Adam. I was dirt with life breathed into me. So all of it is an outward side of humility. And then Daniel begins to pray. Now, I'm going to give you the big idea of this prayer, at least the first part of it, and it's simply this. Confession is so good for your soul. I said here a million times, confession is good for the soul, it's bad for the reputation. And really what we find here is Daniel is confessing the sins of the people to God. Let me read it to you. Picking up in verse 4, it says, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned, verse 5, and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers and all the people of the land. Verse 7, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face. As it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries in which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness with which we have committed against you. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belongs shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so that they may not obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. It is really easy to hear all the bad news from every corner of the globe and just get bummed out about it and sink into despair. When that happens, how often do you pray about those people or situations? 
If you're honest, you'll say not very often. Pastor Daniel's teaching today was kind of a kick in the pants to start changing how you approach life with more prayer rather than less and with a greater sense of God's working in your life. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more from his teaching, Breakthrough Prayer. He's going to dive deeper into the prophet Daniel's prayer of repentance for the people of Israel. You're also going to hear about the approach to prayer that the prophet Daniel took. He did some interesting things, even to the point of changing his clothing and his outward appearance to demonstrate his humility. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Into the Deep. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.